Blog Talk Radio. Time. 
You can call and ask a question. You can make a comment. You can agree. You can disagree. Whatever. But um, but definitely, we would love to hear from you. And when I say we, I, I really mean I, because normally, usually on the last Tuesday, usually it is on the last Tuesday of the month, we have what what I call political potpourri and table talk. And my friend Christy King usually joins me once a month for that particular broadcast, as well as some others that we invite on to just kind of sit around the metaphoric table and talk, talk politics. We throw out all kinds of different things that are going on. Uh, But today I'm flying solo, so it will just be yours truly. And I'll be doing some political talk, some table talk myself, because there's there are a, a lot of topics. I, I don't want to spend the full broadcast on politics. If you noticed, if you if you got word, then you know that today's show is called Part Two: A Little Politics, A Lot of Inspiration. And uh, and what that what that's all about is that last week was uh, a little politics, a little inspiration, a lot of inspiration, a little politics, a lot of inspiration. And so we're doing a little politics, a lot of inspiration today, but we're doing, and it was called Raise Your Expectations. That's what I called it last week because my inspirational message that I shared was called Raise Your Expectations. And you know what? I really just felt like I was just tired of all the political back and forth and bickering and all the stuff. And I just said, you know what? I, I am a, a, a motivational speaker, um, a public speaker, and uh, and I and I do uh, have opportunities to to go and speak to people and to encourage them, whether in churches or whether in schools or or um, community organizations. Um, I get to go. I'm so grateful and and share a word of encouragement. And so last week I talked about raise your expectations. We did the political thing. And then we jumped into a really inspirational message. And I'm so glad. If you listened to that, thank you so much for doing that. Because I had tagged some of you on Facebook and I said, hey, listen to Raise Your Expectations. And I heard back from quite a few people who were really, really encouraged by that message. And um, some said that they were, they went from saying amen to ouch. Uh, or they had tears in their eyes or they were cheering, whatever the case may be. Those who were able to take the time to listen were encouraged. And that's what it's all about, because we can get so bombarded with all the heaviness of life and, uh, and, and fail to feed our spirits on those positive things. So if you did not get a chance to hear Raise Your Expectations, you know, it kind of sounds strange coming from me, I guess, because I'm the one who delivered it. But I'm going to tell you, it's a good word. And you need to hear it. So you need to go to www.blog talkradio.com and when you go there you will see a list of all of my podcasts and uh, one of them will be raise your expectations not the one that says uh, not the one that says a little politics a lot of inspiration but the one that said it's by itself it just says raise your expectations not that you shouldn't listen to the other one that was last week's broadcast and uh, that message is embedded within there. But then there's one that sits solo. It's raise your expectations, and it is the message by itself that I, I cut down and I, I clipped just so that people could hear that alone. So I want you to, to just take a listen to that and be encouraged, okay? And, and don't act like you can't listen because my name is not famous. Because see, let me tell you about how some of you folks, tell some of you about yourselves, okay? Tell you about yourself. Some of you won't listen to anything unless unless some big name is on it. Unless somebody told you, somebody said, hey, listen to this. Somebody with a big name, and then you say, oh, I want to listen to it because so-and-so said it. Well, you know what? So-and-so, I'm so-and-so. And so-and-so says you need to hear that word, okay? So don't be looking for somebody famous to come and endorse me. I'm endorsing me, as, as well as the other people who heard. So be blessed by it. And today I want to have another another inspirational message after we talk a little politics. And uh, today we're, we're going to talk about tools to possessing your purpose. Tools. Come on. Everybody needs some tools. All right? And it's about that time. A lot of you in the garden and all that, so you got your little tools out. You, you're out there in the dirt and all that. Well, let me tell you, I got some tools that are going to last you for a lifetime. And they're going to help you possess your purpose. 
And so we'll talk about that. All right. But first, let's get the politics underway. All right. And uh, what uh, what a cycle it's been. Uh, when I say that, I, I mean a political cycle. What is, It's been crazy, right? And so I'm going to really talk about um, several shorts, I guess you could call them, or, or hot topics, whatever you want to call them. There, there are several things that I want to highlight and just touch upon uh, before I, I shift away from politics, which we got, we have, a, there's just so much to talk about. First of all, we have um, Donald Trump who, who made out big, I mean, a clean sweep on Tuesday in the, in the five states and those Northeast primaries, he was expected to do well. I don't know if he was expected to do as well as he did, but man, he did well um, in the Northeast, in those primaries. And now, I mean, there was a time when people said absolutely impossible for him to get the 1237 uh, delegates. And now people think it, it could be, I mean, it may not be, we may end up going all the way to the convention and maybe a contested convention and all that. But, um, but I tell you what, dude is just doing Donald. And uh, so following that huge win, here comes Ted Cruz. And I don't know who saw this one coming or, or, or saw it coming so soon, but Cruz had an event. He's in Indiana, obviously. That's a big state coming up, primary coming up on Tuesday. And he names... Carly Fiorina, the businesswoman, the former presidential contender. She was in the race until, I guess, a couple months ago. He names her as his vice presidential pick. I know what you're thinking. You're going, how can he have a vice presidential pick when he hasn't made it to the nomination for the president? He may be the first person in the history of America who named his VP before he got the nomination. I don't know, but I know he named Carly Fiorina. And, uh, I mean, she had obviously endorsed him. She's been on the campaign trail. She's been pulling for him, and he, and he pulled her out. Now, now some people say, oh, this is a good move. He, he's, you know, she's been – she was the fiercest goer after her of Hillary Clinton. She was not afraid to take it to Hillary Clinton. And so, you know, maybe that's a smart move. He pulls, he, you know, he takes someone who is a, a qualified, articulate, accomplished woman. Let's make that clear, first of all. Um, so she's a, quali- let me let me rephrase that. She's a, a qualified, intelligent, accomplished, articulate person. And so that would be uh, the kind of person, obviously, that, that you would want to, to have along, alongside you. Absolutely. And the fact that she is a woman, um, some say, is helpful or could be helpful because it kind of um, takes away Hillary Clinton running the, the, the gender game, which she, she really is really good at, I guess, and she likes to do. We'll talk about that, too. But... Um, Others are saying, you know what, this is a desperate, this is just desperate on Ted Cruz's part. But others still say, you know what, he's at the point where he has to do something. He, he has to make a desperate move because it, it's either now or never. He's got to, and some, of course, some actually say it's too late. But anyway, so Carly, if he gets the nomination, she will be his VP pick. Does that help him? Uh, well, a good argument is, well, she was running for president, and she couldn't help herself. So if she can't help herself, how is she going to help him? So that's one way of, of looking at it. Uh, I mean, she had already endorsed him. She's already been on the campaign trail for him. <clears throat> and uh, Donald Trump is still taking care of business. Not that Ted Cruz is doing that that. Poorly, but Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump obviously is the front runner, and and he just swept things away uh, on Tuesday. So I mean, but of course he he was expected to there in the Northeast. But will it help? I, I don't know. She hasn't helped herself. She hasn't really put him over the edge so far. So so it remains to, to be seen. She is from the state of California. Uh, I guess born in Texas, but from the state of California, and so 
Um, and that'll be a, probably a big one as well, primary as well. So, so maybe that'll help there. Um, we, we'll have to see that. But desperate probably. But, um, hey, you're in this to win it or you're not. Speaking of that, in it to win it or you're not, <clears throat> there was talk uh, in the last week or, or whatever about this alliance between Senator Ted Cruz and Governor John Kasich. Kasich won one state so far, which would be Ohio, his own state, but he has refused to get out, uh, although many people say, what are you doing? You know, but he keeps talking about this contested conviction, and he seems to think that he's going to win. The fact that nobody wants to vote for him doesn't really, uh, doesn't really seem to bother him because he keeps fighting polls where he's the only one who can defeat Hillary Clinton. So he's kind of caught up in that whole thing. Either he is just, I don't know what he is. I think he's delusional. But in any case, he and Ted Cruz, apparently, after the New York primary, where Trump just trumped everyone, they decided that they were going to form this alliance where um, they were going to basically deny Donald Trump the necessary delegates. So it was going to work like this. Kasich was not going to compete in Indiana. He was sort of going to pull out of Indiana, not not uh, campaign in Indiana, not put his resources in Indiana so that Cruz could take Indiana. Cruz was going to do the same thing in New Mexico and Oregon, and they were going to kind of form this, this alliance. It got really weird, though, because then you had Kasich say, well, I'm not going to tell people not to vote for me. I'm just not using my resources there. Well, if you're not telling people not to vote for you, kind of how are you trying to clue your people in that they're supposed to vote for for Cruz in this alliance to defeat Donald Trump. Um, it, it's just really, really weird. And then now Cruz, and, and, they, and they, I mean, it was like they kind of admitted to this thing here, but then Cruz has now said, well, there, there's no alliance with John Kasich to stop him. He says, there is no alliance. Kasich and I made a determination where to focus our energies, where to focus our assets, where to focus our resources is what he said. Kind of like trying, you know, trying to walk back this alliance between the two campaigns. Now, it's kind of crazy. It's weird. Listen, there, there is, there, there, we know there was some kind of agreement that was going on. You can call it uh, deciding where you're going to put your resources and all that, but the bottom line was you were putting your resources where they are because your focus is to stop Trump. And here's my two cents on this, okay? I'm not, I, I, I'm just not impressed by it. I'm not impressed by any of these people, I'm telling you. Um, people have these stickers out, you know, Cruz 2016, Trump 2016, Kasich 2016, whatever. I saw somebody, he, had to put, he put a picture on Facebook, and he said, everybody sucks 2016. Uh, and I'm not saying that, because I, I think I do, you know, Trump is out there, and he is saying things that some people want, want to hear, and uh, he's not afraid to say it. Okay, he, he's, he, there's a plus there. Um, obviously, Ted Cruz is a constitutional conservative, and he has fought and, and, and walked the walk, and I have great respect for him there. And then we have John Kasich, who uh, in, in Ohio is, is spoken highly of, and uh, he's balanced the budget, and he's done this, that. You know, he's, he's worked within the system as well, and so people have great things to say about him. So so there's something positive to be said about, about about all of them, I'm sure. But you know what? I'm really not feeling any of them at this point. I'm kind of tired of the whole mess, and I'm tired of hearing line line Ted Cruz. I'm tired of of of, of hearing you know uh, you know you can make America great again, and you can you can even put it on a hat. And I'm tired of of Kasich getting an attitude every time anybody asks him a question. Okay, I'm just tired of all of them, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, there's 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 good stuff in in it all, but it's just it's just getting kind of weird. I forgot where I was going with this, but um, in, in any case, there. Oh, now I remember. Here's my thinking: If you're going to run for president, okay, you run to win. When you start trying to create alliances with people just to stop someone else, that's your focus. So that that perhaps. Something will come out of this, and you will, at a, at a contested convention, you will emerge victorious. I, you know, I just, I don't like it. 
you know, as a former coach and anybody who knows anything about, about sports, you know that there's this expression about playing to win versus playing not to lose. You play to win. You, you, there's a mindset. There's an attitude. There's a spirit in which you play to win, not play not to lose. You don't play not to lose with your back against the wall and, and you're just fearful and you're just focused on the other person. You just want to stop the other person. No, you play your game to win. And so when you start forming alliances with your other competitor just to stop somebody else, it's desperate. It's, it's kind of pitiful, I think. I mean, unless you think this person is just going to just totally destroy the country. And, you know, maybe that's what they think, that Donald Trump is that bad. There are some people who, say, who may feel that way, and, uh, and, and, and they're entitled to that. But I think if you're going to run, run full out, put your resources everywhere you can go. You don't say, well, I'm going to pull out of Indiana, I'll let him win Indiana, and I'll go win something else. No, you're trying to win everything. Win or go home. That's the way I see it. Anyway, that's what I got to say. You're, you're listening to Adrian Ross on the right voice. The number is 646-200-3715. And feel free to give me a call. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you're into this alliance thing. Maybe you think Trump is, is to be stopped, and that's the way to do it. I love to hear from you on the right voice. Another interesting hot topic or political short, whatever you want to call it, is this is former speaker John Boehner. Oh, my goodness. He did an interview with at Stanford University, and he was asked what he thought of Ted Cruz, and he said, he, I mean, he called him Lucifer in the flesh. Now, for those of you who don't know who that is, he called him the devil incarnate. Lucifer in the flesh, he said. He said, I have Democrat friends and Republican friends. I get along with almost everyone, but I have never worked with a more miserable, he said, SOB. I'm not going to say it, but he said it. I have, I have never worked with a more miserable SOB in my life, he said. Wow. From the former speaker now, Ted Cruz, says, Listen, I, I, I've met him, what, two or three times in my life? I guess he did some law work for, for, for him at one point, but he's just like, whatever, you know. But, you know, John Boehner is kind of seen as the establishment. I'm not sure Ted Cruz should be, should be offended. But, it, it, man, it, it, that's kind of rough, you know. So that's another thing, you know, and it kind of harkens back to something that Trump had been saying because Trump was like, he works with these people and nobody likes him. Nobody will endorse him. So, you know, whether whether Trump is over the top or not, some of this stuff is, like, sticking. Whew. All right, so there's that. And then we have some, uh, some there were some gaps that, that went down this week, <clears throat> and one of them was <laughs> uh, yesterday. Donald Trump gave his, gave what was billed a major foreign policy speech, and he was going to use the teleprompter. We know that some people have said, you know what, Trump, you need to use the teleprompter because when you are left to your own devices, you constantly put your foot in your mouth and you're saying all kinds of stuff, brother. So get yourself a teleprompter, all right? Well, he used the teleprompter. I mean, of course, people who, who like Trump like the fact that he's unscripted and he just kind of says whatever. But he, didn't, he had his little, he had a foreign policy speech. I don't want to call it a little foreign policy speech, but he, he gave his major, quote, major foreign policy speech yesterday. And with the use of his teleprompter, you know, there were some people who said, you know, he did a good job, and other people said, mm, not so, not so good at all. He contradictory, whatever. But the gas was he mispronounced reading from the teleprompter, Tanzania. I think he said Tanzania or, or something like that. And so that became a conversation piece that, you know, dude doesn't really know foreign policy. He can't pronounce Tanzania. He doesn't know how to use a teleprompter. Blah blah blah. And then um, White House Press Secretary Josh Ernest, which I believe is unprofessional, he mocked Donald Trump for mispronouncing Tanzania, and he said, apparently, the phonetics are not included on the teleprompter. So he's got jokes. And, uh, you know, I thought Dana Perino, she was the one who really brought out, as a former uh, press secretary for, um, for uh, George Bush, for President uh, Bush, she did 
say that, you know, that you don't really want to do that. You, you don't want to, you don't want to step in, into that. But he did, and, you know, phonetics aren't included on the teleprompter, you know. So um, there are various responses to the speech, you know. Of course, Sean Hannity, who is, is just in love with Donald Trump, though he thinks none of us can tell, he had some people on talking about it last night. And he would, if you disagreed with anything that Trump said, like, like um, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, expert, foreign policy expert, and everything he said that opposed or even slightly criticized Donald Trump, Sean Hannity would stop him and correct him and defend him, and he does this all the time. I don't know who listens to his show. I know some people told me I can't listen to the man anymore. But the thing about him, listen, if you if you have endorsed someone, then then that's fine. You know, I mean, if you're all in, I mean, Mark Levin has endorsed um, Ted Cruz. Okay, so we know where he stands. I'm not sure if Herman Cain endorsed Trump, but whether he knows it or not, it's clear that he's on the Trump train. But I'm not sure if, it, if he made a formal endorsement or not, but it's obvious. And the same thing with Hannity. Hannity tries to play the, you know, I'm all for Trump or I'm all for Cruz and da da da. And I'm sure he can live with either one of them. But but his he's so over the top, like Eric Bowling as well on the five, for Trump that it's just it's ridiculous. It it inhibits people from doing their job when they're so all in. I say Hannity needs some acting lessons so that he can pretend he's not all in because it's unprofessional. It when you have an expert there, when you have somebody on your show. That you invited on your show to speak about, okay, tell us, Mr. Expert, okay, tell us, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, what do you think of the speech? What do you, and then every time he says something, you're jumping on him to defend, to defend um, Trump. What was the point of having him on there? You can't even, you're so in love with Trump, you can't even, you can't even be rational. You can't even be professional. That's the problem. There's got to be a remedy for it. I don't know. Coffee? Something. Decaf. But anyway, the gas was saying Tanzania. I kinda I kinda got off on the other thing, but but he said Tanzania or something. And so that became became a big deal. Well Cruz had a gas of his own, which um, you know, if you're not a basketball person, if you're not an Indiana person, you might not have it may not make a difference to you. But there he is giving a speech in Indiana this state that, you know, Hoosier State, okay? Basketball City, home of Bobby Knight, the Mr. College. And he's recreating a scene from the classic movie Hoosiers, okay? He's got the ladder out. He's like measure, you know, this the scene from Hoosiers that many people are familiar with. Measure it from the floor to the rim. Is it 10 feet? Which is, you know, regulation size. And he calls the basketball hoop a basketball ring. He calls it the ring. And so that was, okay, Twitter lit up and everybody lit up. And it was just, it was, a, you know, again, you might think, what's the big deal? He called it a basketball ring. You must not know about Hoosiers. You must not know about Indiana. You must not know about basketball. And so here you are, you pull this thing out, and then you, you call it a ring. So, you know, like he, he, he said this to the to the media. I'm sure none of you have ever misspoken in your life, right? But you know they were gonna give him a hard time. We are so brutal. Politics is a blood sport. I'm telling you, they will pick you apart, they will chew you up. You better be ready. You better be ready. So um so that's kinda of, that's kinda of deep. That's kinda of deep right there. Um so let's Let's talk about. <clears throat> let's move on. I have, like I said, I have so many, so many things here, but but I do want to talk about. I mentioned Coach Knight, um, who coached in, in Indiana College, uh, in uh, college in Indiana, obviously the Bobby Knight, and uh, he endorsed Donald Trump, and Bobby Knight is is beloved in in Indiana, you know, and uh, so he endorsed him yesterday. This was okay. So so Trump racks up in the Northeast on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, Ted Cruz tries to stop the bleeding by announcing that if he wins, he's going to have Carly on his ticket, 
And then Bobby Knight comes out again today and he gives a speech uh, for Donald Trump there in Indiana, in Indianapolis, no, in Evansville, in Evansville. And, uh, and he said, hey, I don't give a D, I don't give a whatever about Republicans or Democrats, okay? I care about the country. And he also said that Trump isn't a Democrat or a Republican either, which, of course, you can take that either way. There's some people who would say, mm-hmm, you got that right. He's a, he's a Trumpic. Okay, he's not a Democrat. He's not Democratic. He's not Republican. He's a Trumpican. And you never know what that might mean. Um, and others will take that to mean he's just about doing the right thing for the right country. Wherever you stand on that, go for it. But in any case, that's what Bobby Knight said, and he's put his full, his full weight behind Donald Trump, which, you know, we'll have to see on Tuesday how it all plays out, how it all plays out. Interested, too, in, in what the governor, Governor Mike Pence, will do, whether he'll stay out of it or he'll comment on it or what, but, uh, but, but, but there's that. So those are some shorts, but 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 I have some I have a little bit more for you there, um, and uh, but I, I I think what I'll do is I'll just pause for a little a little bit of a of a break here, and uh, and then I'll come back and I'll talk a little bit, and then I'll I'll play a little um, I'll play a few a few clips uh, I'll play a few clips, but why don't we? Uh, let's just see. What do we want to hear? Why don't we, you know, um, adoption is such a, a powerful, powerful uh, thing. And so I'm going to play this uh, this commercial, this public service announcement um, about adoption. And then we'll be right back. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? <laughs> B, console her? Don't worry, sweetie. This is going to happen a lot. Or C, find her a new boyfriend. Nice single boys. <laughs> that was weird. As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to be perfect. So if you're considering or thinking about adoption, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be a perfect parent. You just have to, um, you, you know, don't have to be perfect person, but perfect parent. And you know, what does that mean? That means a parent, who, I guess, is a parent who loves, a parent who's there, a parent who listens, a parent who provides. So, um, so there, there we have that. You're listening to Adrian Ross on The Right Voice, and the number to call in is 646 and uh, we've been talking about all kinds of things here within the political arena. And we're going to transition shortly into some motivation. We're going to get away from politics, and we're going to uh, we're going to get into some um, some inspiration. But but first, I want to play this clip. I want to get into Miss Mrs. Clinton on the Democrat side, who's obviously running against Senator Bernie Sanders. There, I know she just wishes he would get himself out of the race, but but he will not. And uh, but anyway, she takes on Donald Trump and calls him basically out of touch. Let's take a listen to what she has to say. Donald Trump says wages are too high in America and he doesn't support raising the minimum wage. And I have said, come out of those towers named for yourself and actually talk and listen to people. You know, at some point. If you want to be president of the United States, you got to get familiar with the United States. You got to spend time with Americans of all sorts and backgrounds in every part of our country. Don't just fly that big jet in and land it and go make a big speech and insult everybody you can think of. And then go back, get on that big jet and go back to, you know, your country club house in Florida or your penthouse in New York, I somehow don't think that kind of puts you in touch with what's going on. Oh, the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy. Oh, my goodness. I hear that and I go, Hillary Clinton, for real? She's talking about, okay, Trump, you need to come out of those towers that are named for yourself and get off your private jet and, and all this, that, and the other thing and, and, and be with the people. This is a woman who... I think they have two mansions. 
She makes thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for each speech, which is something that she's been criticized uh, for. I mean, all kinds of money. I mean, this is something Bernie Sanders has been talking about all the time. She's getting all this money for all these speeches and in, in bed with big business and this and the other thing. And I mean, all kinds of, I mean, the woman is not living some kind of uh, subpar life here. She's got homes. She's got private jets. She said, said she was, quote, dead broke when she left the White House, but we know that's a dead lie or a lie, a living lie, whatever you want to call it, and hasn't driven her own car, and I don't know, however, but she's going to say, listen, Trump, you need to get your, your head out of, the, out of the sky, and you need to be in touch with Americans. Oh, my goodness. Really? But she's treating him like he is the nominee and that she's the nominee and she's going she's going after him. Now, he, of course, is not one to be pitied, you know, uh, and so he doesn't have a problem going after her. Uh, and so he commented on her playing a particular card. Let's hear well, I think the only card she has is the woman's card. She's got nothing else going. And frankly, if Hillary Clinton were a man, I don't think she'd get 5% of the vote. The only thing she's got going is the woman's card. And the beautiful thing is women don't like her, okay? And look how well I did with women tonight. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so he says she's playing the woman card. What's interesting about it was... Uh, was her response. So before I comment on what he said, let's hear her response. Well, if fighting for women's health care and paid family leave and equal pay is playing the woman card, then deal me in. Okay, so Donald Trump accused her of playing the woman card, said that if she wasn't a woman, if she weren't a woman, she wouldn't. She wouldn't have what? She'd only have about five percent of the vote, or wouldn't have five percent of the vote. Whatever. Her response to his accusation that she's playing the woman card is to play the woman card and deal me in. She says, if caring about women and and this that, and the other thing, you know, listen, nobody, we're not buying it, Hillary. We're not buying it. How how did you how did you handle? And I know this is a sensitive issue, but how did you handle? These women who had, who had accusations about your husband, did you come to their defense? You know, I mean, I under my understanding is that women in the White House make less money than the men. Are you commenting on that? Women, as Mr. Trump said in his response, don't like her. What he means by that is poll after poll after poll, so she's not doing well. She seems to be doing well um Seem to be doing better with um, black women, but um, but with white women, not not so much. And they don't trust her. Most Americans don't trust her polling shows. And and I mean, why should we? We're still trying to figure out the emails. We're still trying to figure out Benghazi. We're still trying to figure out the Clinton Foundation. I mean, so whatever she says and stuff, I'm like, okay, whatever. She the only thing she plays more than the women the woman card is the race card. She she can rock that race card like nobody's business. What do you think? Give me a call. 646-200-3715. So uh, I, I do believe that she's playing the woman card. I do believe that if she were not a woman, she would not be doing as well as she is. I think there are people who feel like, you know what, I'd like to have a, a woman uh, president. It's time we have a woman president. And and I think that that drives some people. I don't, with all the negatives that she has, I'm not so sure she'd do well otherwise. And Donald Trump isn't you know, he did uh, he did well on uh, this past Super Tuesday in the Northeast with women. But generally, his negatives are very high when it comes to women. <clears throat> and so they're not, they're, you know, they, I guess they both have that problem. Uh, so, hmm, we shall see how that, how that uh, tur- turns out, how that comes out. And, uh, well, let's hear one more thing as I kind of wrap up this political stuff, because it was supposed to be just a little bit of politics, and then I, I want to really share this, this message that I have about uh, tools to possessing your purpose. Let's listen to a comment that Donald Trump said about John Kasich. And you just ask, ask yourself while you're listening, um, is this 
what you're looking for in a, in a, in a president. Is this presidential? I have never seen a human being eat in such a disgusting fashion. You ever see it? He's eating today, stuffing it. I never saw. This guy takes a pancake and he's shoving it in his mouth. Thank you, guys. Bites this big. Thank you, guys. Not a big deal. He's pushing it in. We never saw a guy eat like this. I told my son, he was watching. He said, Daddy, look. I said, don't watch. Little bites, little bites. It's disgusting. Do you want that for your president? I don't think so. Okay, I gotta eat now. It's about. Why don't some other people eat? Are you eating? <laughs> well, it's interesting. Uh, Donald Trump being being Donald Trump, and uh, you know he criticizes Governor Kasich and his eating, and, and he says, "Is that what you want for for president?" You know, and. Uh, I don't know. Is that are those the kind of comments that we want for for from a president? You might say yes. You might say you know what he's just calling it like he sees it, and we're so tired of of other people who are not calling it like they see it. We love this kind of stuff. Yay, let's go. And you might be thinking, really, Mr. Trump. And so you know it's, it's difficult because it's weird because you hear people saying that that um, Donald Trump is going to start to rein this stuff in. And, and on one hand, and then he kind of seems like he is. He'll give a speech like after a win, and it's like, wow, he's he's transformed himself into just being really low key and presidential and all that. And then the next day, you know, he's, you see him shoving the pancake in his mouth. So you just never know. I mean, I tell you, it's entertaining if nothing else. Uh, and so, what are you gonna do? So that um, those are some of the the highlights. I mean, there's no shortage of highlights, but. I want to uh, to transition from that to uh, to this motivational message uh, to this motivational message. So I'm going to take um, one more brief break here to play a portion of a song, and and then we're going to come back and we're going to get into some some positives because, like I said, the politics can get to you, and you need to hear a message of hope and encouragement, and inspiration, and I've got one for you. So hang with me here. And uh, I'll play this song, and then I'll be back. If you'd like to call, get yourself ready to call at 646-200-3715. I'm your host, Adrian Ross. are 
wondering, why am I here? What is my purpose? You would think that a seventh grader, that a a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old is not yet grappling with purpose. But I'm telling you, they are. These young people are. Whether you're 12, whether you're 22, whether you're 50, there's something on the inside that cries out to fulfill the purpose for which you were born. Each of us has a purpose. And I am convinced that your purpose is is locked up with your identity and that many of us don't know what our purpose is or don't even sense that we have one because we don't understand our identity. We don't know who we are. And until you know who you are, you cannot fully grasp why you are. In other words, you cannot grasp what it is you're supposed to do, the purpose for which you were born. And so we we need to deal with identity as well as purpose. And once we get identity, then we can understand purpose, and and then we can even understand authority. Those are are things that that can be um, picked apart in different segments. But I want to focus on, on purpose because you have one. And I have, I have seen, and, and it's, a, it's a great one because it's, it's tailored just for you. And it may not look like great in somebody else's mind, but as long as you're doing what it is you're supposed to be doing, as long as it's your call, then it's great. It's when you try to fit in to something that was not designed for you that you get uncomfortable and unhappy and, and, and when things are, 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 in many cases, crazy. Because on the inside, you're trying to figure out what is my purpose. You know, Mark Twain, the writer, said the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. I'll repeat that because it's powerful. The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And having worked with young people for so long, I know there are many of them who just don't know why. And you can see it. You can see it in the way they carry themselves. You see it in adults. You see it in the way they treat other people. The purpose is so important. I've seen people who seemed like they had nothing, who seemed like they should not be able to accomplish anything, but they did because somehow they were able to grab a hold of purpose. And it caused them to have the strength to overcome the obstacles that surely, surely will come. So here's the deal. Before I even get into the tools to possessing your purpose, let's talk about what your purpose might be, determining your purpose. And I'm going to give you three keys to determining your purpose first. Quickly, three keys to determining your purpose. Number one, what excites you? What are you passionate about? Because very often, that thing that excites you, that thing that you're passionate about, that thing that gets your heart pumping fast, racing, very often that's your purpose. So what excites you? Number two, believe it or not, a key to determining your purpose is what annoys you, what angers you, what ticks you off. Well, Adrian, how does what tick me off Reveal my purpose. Let me tell you, there's some things that bother you that don't bother anybody else. And you can't figure out why. Because to you, it's such an obvious slight. It's such an obvious injustice. And it annoys you, angers you, it pains you. And and other people just seem to be like, whatever. Maybe it bothers you so much because it's your purpose to do something about it. Because you were wired to deal with it, to attack it, to face it head on and do something about it. And other people can just kind of come and go. Yeah. What annoys you is a key very often to determining your purpose. And another thing is just being aware of what other people recognize within you, people you trust. There are things that people see in you that you don't see in yourself. And somebody comes along and they speak life. I talked about that in my message, Raise Your Expectations. They come along and they speak life. They speak it. They say, I see this in 
in you. There are times when you just see somebody. There are times when, I mean, I've worked for years with people, and I look at them, and I there's something about them. And maybe they don't see it for themselves, but it's there. I notice there's a gift in you. I notice there's a talent in you. I notice there's that you that you just you shine in this element. That's a key to determining your purpose. So those are the three things. What excites you, what annoys you, and what do other people you trust recognize in you? People with some wisdom, people with some life experience. All right. So so that's that. Now, how do you possess your purpose? Now, if if I want to possess my purpose, I need some tools. And so I'm going to talk about physical tools that represent how to fulfill your purpose. You need these tools to overcome obstacles and defy the odds so that you can fulfill your purpose. One thing you need, you go to the store, okay, Imagine this. Picture this with me. Work with me here. You go to the store and you get yourself, as if you're going to plant a garden, get yourself some of those seeds that they sell. It comes in a little pack. You shake it in it. Those seeds. Why do you need seeds to fulfill your purpose? To possess your purpose? Because seeds represent faith. You have to believe. And I always, always point that out because it always comes back to faith. Think about the farmer. Think about the planter. When he takes those seeds and he plants, he's not seeing the seeds. He's seeing what the seeds will produce. He's not seeing five seeds. He's seeing the harvest that is going to come. He expects more than he planted. You always reap more than you sow. So you've got to have seeds to plant, and you've got to believe that you're going to get a harvest. So you need the seeds of faith. And the enemy of faith is fear. And fear has just captivated some people. We can't allow ourselves to be stopped by fear. You've got to push past the inhibition. You have to. What is your deepest fear? If you know that movie, Coach Carter, he says, what is your deepest fear? Get beyond it. Push beyond it with those seeds of faith, all right? There have been situations in my life where I was afraid. I left teaching. Many of you have heard the story. I wanted to. I was ready to. I felt called to. I felt it was my purpose to move on, purpose to teach, yes, but now purpose to move on. But, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy to do something like that. Hey, can't let fear stop you. So you need that seed. You need the seeds of faith. Another tool, you need some glasses. This is this, this the eyeglasses represent vision. You gotta be able to see clearly. So that you and you gotta be able to look where you want to go. You ever ride in the car with somebody? And they're you're in the back seat, okay? And they're driving and they go, Hey, look, they they, they look they look back at you and they start to have a conversation and the car goes all off the road. Or they see something and they point to it and they go, oh, look at that. And what happens to the car? The car goes exactly where they're looking. We need vision. And we need to be looking where we want to go. And many of us are too busy looking back, too busy looking at the past, too busy looking at the obstacles that we're not looking ahead to where we're purposed to go. And as long as you're looking off, Long as your vision is off, you can't fulfill your purpose. So you need glasses. That's what I'm saying. Glasses represent vision. You need that to get where you're going, to possess your. You also need a tool called a ring. And, and, and I, when I say you need a ring, I think about a wedding ring. And a wedding ring represents a covenant relationship, a covenant relationship. You need to enter into relationship with people. I'm not talking about marriage here, though that's one. But there have, there, you must have people in your life that can build you up, that can come alongside, that can encourage you, that you can encourage, that you partner with. There are times when we walk alone. But those times are temporary. 
We are called to relationship, and we need one another. So that ring is a tool. It symbolizes relationship. You also need yourself some scissors. Why? Because scissors, scissors represent cutting off some things. And in this case, I mean some relationships. Just as you need to enter into healthy relationships, you need to cut off some toxic relationships. Some of us are spending time feeding off of people we're not called to walk with. People we know are bad for us. Some of them, unfortunately, are in our family, and we can't fully cut them off. You know what I'm saying? But we have to not allow their toxic ways to poison us. But there are some relationships, I'm telling you, that need to be cut off. They need to be cut off so that you can fulfill your purpose. They're pulling you back. They're holding you back. And most of the time we see it. Most of the time we know it. But we don't have the strength, the character to come off. If you want to fulfill your purpose, then you need to do that. You need wisdom to do that. It's so very, very important. That's a tool that you absolutely need. Here's another tool. You need a shovel. That shovel represents a funeral. When they dig that dirt, they dig the dirt so that they can put the casket in, and then they take that shovel and they put that dirt back on top. What I'm trying to say is that there's some things that need to be buried. Some of you need some funerals in your life. There's some dead things in your life that need to be buried. Because after a while, dead stuff starts to stink. Okay? And what I mean is some of us need to to bury some hurts of our past. Some of us need to forgive some people. Because not forgiving is causing us to be bitter. It's causing us to to, um, isolate ourselves. Some of the hurt, we need to let go. Not so much so that the other person will be free of our unforgiveness, but so that we can be free, so that we can be free and healed and whole to move on, to possess our purpose. And some of us need to forgive ourselves because some of us have messed up and we've hurt people and we've engaged in some things that weren't good for us or good for others, and we've been holding ourselves hostage and refusing to forgive ourselves. We need that shovel. We need a funeral. We need to put it in the dirt, and we need to cover it up so that we can move on. We absolutely need that. You also need a tool called a watch, a clock or a watch. You know what that represents? It represents continuing on, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. The clock continues to move, continues to go. In other words, it perseveres. Easy is not an option. It's not an option. That was something that I heard Les Brown, the motivational speaker, say. Easy is not an option. And some of us encounter obstacles to fulfilling our purpose, to possessing our purpose, and we back away, and we back off, and we run and hide because we thought it was going to be easy. Well, you know what? It's not going to be easy. We're going to have moments in our lives where we're like, oh, we entered a season of rest. Okay, but you know a season of struggle is coming again. It's going to come. So you got to persevere. you got to hang in there through thick and through thin, tick, tock, tick. Talk. I'm going to still keep, I'm going to come in the midnight hour. I'm coming. I'm going to keep fighting in the morning time. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep coming at it. I'm going to keep reaching for it. I'm going to fulfill my purpose. There's a tool. You need that. So I have given you several tools in the time that we've had together, several tools for you to fulfill your purpose, for you to possess your purpose. You were created by your creator, God Almighty, with purpose in mind. And you can fulfill that purpose with the right tools. With the right tools, you'll overcome the obstacles, you'll fulfill the purpose. You're listening to Adrian Ross and the Right Voice Radio Show. And I just want to thank you for tuning in. This was part two, a little politics, a lot of inspiration. As we end here, 
I do want to just say some happy news, and that is about Harriet Tubman being on the $20 bill. Uh, that's coming. You probably heard the news. Harriet Tubman will be on that $20 bill, and, 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 uh, and some people have different opinions about that. And we could probably discuss whether there's a different way to honor her rather than removing Andrew Jackson. Whatever you feel about that part of it, I just would like to say that I think it's a, it's a cool thing that she is honored in some way for um, being the Moses of her people. And uh, as a relative of the family of Harriet Tubman, Harriet Ross Tubman, by the way, I am also very, very proud and pleased. So thank you for joining me on this off day. We usually meet on Tuesdays, but here we are uh, on Thursday, on April 28th on The Right Voice. Thank you so much for joining me. God bless you. We'll catch you next time.